0: ...drop her, bound hand and foot, into the frigid depths. Drown her like a mewling kitten, was how their leader had put it, his voice spine-chilling in its careless joviality. Claire shivered again, violently, as the callous words replayed in her head. This band of brutal strangers meant to kill her. But why, why? She had racked her brain, but found no answer that made sense. Ever since she had tricked the man above her into releasing her from her bonds by claiming she had to make urgent use of the chamber pot, then clouted him over the head with said chamber pot when he grudgingly handed it to her and turned his back, she had quit asking herself why. She'd been too busy running for her life. She could figure out the why behind this nightmare later, if she survived. Eh, Briggs, what are you doing? You're affrighting the poor lassie. This second voice sounded as close as the first. Claire recognized it as belonging to the group's leader. This time, despite the best will in the world not to do so, she was unable to prevent a terrified glance up. There were two dark forms standing close together near the very edge of the cliff, which was now some forty feet above her head. From their stance, they were presumably looking toward where the others still searched for her along the spit. Another quick reflexive glance down revealed little save the frothing breakers and the inky infinity of the night beyond the fog. But she knew that another fifty feet or so of treacherous cliff still stretched between her and the relative safety of the beach. Did they know of this path? Did they know that she had taken it and was directly below them even as they spoke? Were they toying with her like cruel cats with a terrified mouse? This possibility, which had just popped into her mind, terrified her. Please, God, she prayed with a quick glance up into the ether. She did not want to die. Not tonight. Not like this. She was only 21 years old. To her horror, she felt her knees begin to shake. This would never do. Take a damper, Claire, she ordered herself sternly. She was not going to die. She had already lived through so much. The far too early death of her mother, a childhood made dark and frightening by the cruelty of her father, a promising marriage turned bleak and empty, and the crime that had given her over to her pursuers. She had survived too much to die now. Fiercely telling herself that, Claire stiffened her knees and inched onward. Pebbles underfoot made her slide precariously a second time, and again she nearly cried out, But she managed to choke back the sound, even as she recovered her footing. And then, gritting her teeth, she forced herself to go on. With luck, they would believe her hidden somewhere in the prickly gorse above. With luck, they would never even think of looking down. Once she reached the beach, she reminded herself in between sliding footsteps and deep, calming breaths, the safety of Hayley Castle, her husband's family seat, was less than an hour's walk away, Although she had hated the vast turreted pile from her first sight of it, her heart yearned for it now. How ironic was it that her husband was there, all unknowing of the danger that threatened her, while she fought for her life practically in the castle's shadow. Strained though she might, she could see nothing of it through the fog-shrouded darkness. But she knew it was there, perched like a great stone falcon on the rock promontory overlooking the sea that was this one's twin. The high granite cliff on which the castle was built and the one she was presently descending, known as Haley's Point, served as end posts to a half-circle of cliffs surrounding a bay that looked as if a hungry giant had taken a bite out of the coastline. From the castle to this spot was a distance of perhaps six miles. To the east was desolate marshland, started with beacon fires ready to be lit at a moment's notice, should Boney, now fortunately occupied in Russia, at last decide to invade. To the west, the land fell away in a sheer vertiginous drop straight down to the turbulent waters of the Atlantic. The only way up or down was via perhaps half a dozen narrow paths, winding precariously through the rocks. The locals called them smugglers' paths, because once the province of goats, they were now used almost exclusively by the gentlemen, as the smugglers were known in these parts, who over the course of the war had turned the running of the French blockade...